Struggles. Everybody has them. It's a part of life. And with each kind of struggle comes a chance for success or failure. But we often enter the struggle with only success in mind. We, we have to believe that the payoff for the struggle we enter into is going to be worth it in the end. And so we dive in. Here's just some of the ways that we enter the struggle willingly. We have this idea of sacrifice, right? In order to attain a degree or a position or the job that you want or something that you want, you understand that there might be a trade-off. You have to give something up. Maybe it's time, money, leisure, whatever it is, you have to give something up in order to get the thing that you want. There's sacrifice. Maybe, maybe you put a pause or you walk away from a career in order to be a parent or a caretaker of someone that you love or to do something else to find fulfillment. There's also hard work and effort. That's a struggle, right? Perhaps it's long hours that you spend at work or it's late night study sessions. All of that can lead to mental exhaustion above other thing. Or maybe the job itself is just physically demanding. And so the energy you spend during the job leaves you tired the rest of the time. Or pain. Different kinds of pain. Maybe it's physical pain. Um, I know that when I was learning how to snowboard uh, for the first time in college without any experience except for sledding, <laughs> I spent a lot of time on the ground. And it hurt. But you fight through the pain in order to get what you need. Or maybe it's fighting through an illness, which can bring a lot of pain. It could also bring emotional pain. Maybe, maybe you end a relationship, or you have to put up some sort of boundary. And that, that's painful. It, it, it hurts, and it's hard, but you do so in order to protect yourself or loved ones. And so you, you take on that pain. Or maybe it's the pain of loss or rejection. Maybe even in this case, you don't enter into that struggle willingly, but it's kind of thrust upon you. And yet you have the choice to decide to push through it. And with choices, right? That's the other one. Sometimes the struggle is simply the choice that we have. Should I choose this path or that one? The easy road or the hard one? The road well-traveled or the one less traveled? I believe there's always good to be found, no matter what choice we make in this regard. But sometimes... Depending on the choice we make, we can left wondering. What if? Or if I had only? And the struggle in the choice is that you want to do what's best for everyone. But that's not always possible. Of course, if everything goes according to plan, you get the diploma and the land the job of your dreams. Maybe you get the family you've always wanted, the house, the dog, the cat, the kids. Maybe you make it down the slope without falling, or you win the trophy, or the choice that you make works in everyone's favor. Or maybe you end up healing uh, and fully recovering and, and no side effects, and, and, or whatever other good news story you can tell at the end of the struggle. If, if you end up in that way, you can easily look back and say, it was all worth it. But you know it doesn't always go according to plan. Sometimes you struggle, and you sweat, and you cry, and you endure the pain, and you offer the sacrifice, and at the end, things still don't go 
the way you'd like it to. That's real. The struggles are real. And, and to top it all off, there's a struggle we haven't even mentioned yet. One that's a bit more drastic, believe it or not, that has eternal consequences. It's our struggle with sin. Now, it's very easy sometimes to dismiss this notion. Because when we think about sin, most often our minds, my mind, goes to the extremes. And we come out thinking, you know, I'm not actually struggling too much with sin because I'm not out robbing banks. <laughs> I'm not sneaking around my neighborhood stealing things off my neighbor's porch. I haven't murdered anybody. I'm not getting into drunken brawls and causing mischief and mayhem around town. I'm not cheating on my taxes or taking advantage of, of people. On the whole, I'm a pretty good person. So I don't struggle with sin. Now, if what I just described is you, that's good. I mean, it means that for the most part, you've been able to practice some self-control. But I'm going to bet that in some, if not all of these circumstances, and countless others I didn't mention, that there have been thoughts that run through your mind or impulses that you feel or urges that come over you that you have no control over. They simply come. And sometimes... Sometimes you lose control. You take a step, or maybe a leap, in the wrong direction. You cross over the line. You say something you regret. You do something you know you shouldn't. Or you refrain from doing something good because you're too concerned with how it's going to impact you, how much it's going to cost. What resources will you have to give up, or what, how your, will your reputation uh, be at stake? You know, as, as Christians, we have, we have ten commandments, these rules. And, and the ten commandments are broad strokes to tell us what's right and what's wrong. Jesus, though, broadens it a bit further. He says, the commandments say, do not commit adultery. But I tell you, Jesus says, if you even look at another person with lustful intent, then you're guilty of breaking that commandment. And Jesus says, you know you're commanded not to murder. But I tell you, even if you are angry with your brother or speak poorly of him, you're guilty. Because these commandments are about relationships with people, not simply black and white rules to follow. They're about how God's people interact with one another. And God has something to say about that. And so there are thousands more nuanced ways that we can sin. Jesus summarizes all of these, though, with two basic commands. He says, love God and love your neighbor. So if you just sit with those two, love God, love your neighbor, knowing what that means, and knowing yourself, you'll realize you're guilty of a whole lot of sin. And here's then the struggle for us. This is good news. We're forgiven. We, we know this. We know this and believe this to be true. We are born again by water and the Spirit so that we have new life in Christ through baptism. We are redeemed and we are restored and we have the Holy Spirit and Christ's promise to be with us to the very end. And still, even all of that, <laughs> even with all of that, we still get ourselves into trouble. We cannot get ourselves to do what is right all the time or to refrain from doing what we know to be wrong. Now, we heard from St. Paul earlier. 
he wrote the, the, the letter that we read. And, and St. Paul, by all accounts, I don't know, arguably could be considered one of the greatest Christians of all times. He spread the gospel to nearly every corner of the world in his day. And his letters and his teachings make up the majority of our New Testament. We learn so much about Jesus and grace through Paul. But still, Paul struggled with sin. He says it in his own words. He highlights the struggle of sin, and he puts it this way. There's a spiritual law, and there's a law according to our flesh. Another way of describing this could be that we are saints and we are sinners. Now, a danger that that some Christian churches teach is that once you are saved, or once you've made a decision to follow Jesus, or once you've been baptized, you're no longer going to struggle. Since God has made you clean and given you new life in the Spirit, you shouldn't struggle anymore. And if you do, then perhaps you start to call into question whether or not your faith is strong enough, or even if you have it, or had it to begin with. If you fall into that camp, let me tell you this and assure you that that's not true. That kind of thinking is simply the enemy getting a hold of your conscience and tempting you to doubt what God has done for you and what God has declared you to be. Your salvation, your forgiveness, your eternal life is not dependent on your ability to be perfect or even to be a good person. You are saved by God's grace alone, period. As we confessed earlier, by Jesus' own words. He says, anyone who, is, who sins is a slave to sin, and a slave has no place in the kingdom. But, Jesus says, if the Son sets you free, you are free indeed. Now, think about Jesus Christ. He entered willingly into the struggle so that you might be free. We know that Jesus was tempted in every way, but did not sin. He was rejected by his people. He was mocked and cursed and spat upon. Jesus knew long days and restless nights. He knew backbreaking labor and aches and pains. He knew hunger and thirst and sorrow and loss. He felt every feeling that you've ever felt. He shed all the tears. And Jesus entered into that struggle He did all of that because he knew the payoff would be worth it. Jesus became sin so that when he died, the curse of sin died with him. And so now, because we have faith in what Christ has done for us, we are free. That's the promise God gives to us. In Christ, there is no more eternal consequence or punishment for your sin. The price was paid. You're completely free. But that's the part of of this series that we're talking about. Now that we are free, what do we do? What do we do with the freedom we have been given? Well, St. Paul puts it this way in Galatians 5.13. He says, For you were called to freedom, brothers and sisters, only. Do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh, but rather serve one another through love. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to take that verse and memorize it. 
Commit it to memory. Put it in your heart. And then take it a step further. Print it out or write it out. Make it plain or fancy. Stick it in your wallet or hang it on your wall. Etch it in your driveway. <laughs> Make it your, your screen on your phone or your computer. So that when you see that verse and when the struggle to sin hits you, when your thoughts lead you to a sinful direction or your eyes look lustfully or your hand begins to covet what's not yours, have that ready so that you can remember God's grace and you can repent. And then you can take that opportunity and turn it into a chance to love God or your neighbor. Here's what I mean. If your thoughts lead you to a place, let's say, of anger, stop, pray, repent, remember that scripture, seek the counsel from others, and then go and talk with that person you're angry with so that you can find peace and forgiveness. If your eyes begin to look lustfully to someone who is not your spouse, stop, pray, repent, remember that verse, remember the vows you made and the love that you've been shown and then show loving kindness to your spouse. And if you aren't married yet, and the desire of the flesh starts to overwhelm you, stop, pray, repent, remember this verse, and realize that God has made us for more than simply to satisfy our passions. But rather, he has created us and saved us and redeemed us so that we might love and serve and help those around us. And if your hand begins to covet what you don't have, and you begin not to appreciate what God has already given you, stop, pray, repent. Thank God for what he's already given. Find ways to use what you already have for good and for the good of others, and then see how much more God will bless you. In these ways, we use the freedom we have to love others and not simply use it for ourselves. Martin Luther wrote this about the freedom we have in Christ. He says, a Christian person is the most free Lord of all and subject to none. But a Christian person is the most dutiful servant of all and subject to everyone. Yeah, those two contradict each other. But they are both true at the same time. And they exist in us because of our sin, but also because of our righteousness that we've been given. Take this as example. Christ made himself subject to us. He made himself a servant. He enslaved himself to the righteousness he would give to us in such a way that, that he gave himself even to death on a cross so that, so that you might be free. So that even though we are slaves to sin because we continue to sin, we are also free. We are saints and sinners at the same time. And we pray and we know that God daily washes us, renews us, cleans our spirit. And we pray that he would make us to be more like his glorious image. So that now, because we have Christ, we might seek to do the same he does. To find other people to love and to serve. That is what we get to do in our freedom. Live to serve. Amen.